Hello, church family. So for those of you I haven't met, haven't met yet, my name's Joe. I'm married to Nigel, who is playing the keyboard. And um, we lead the team and lead the family here. But there are a wonderful kind of bunch of other leaders and people who work alongside us. Now, Nigel's gone upstairs to lead the kids in worship. Um, and so he had wanted to do this bit of the notice, but it's over to me. I'm really delighted this morning to welcome our speaker. We have Trevor um, Galpin, who's speaking to us. Trevor and Linda are part of our church family, but you may not recognise them. Um, They lead Father Heart Ministries and travel internationally a lot. And so when they're back in the UK and not working, they're settled here. This is family. But a lot of the time, they're out and about telling people about the Father Heart of God and helping us encounter God and meet him as Father. And... um, Fortunately for us, they're home a little bit more than usual just over the next few weeks. Now, there's a real personal reason I'm particularly grateful that they're speaking this morning. Those of you who know Nigel and I will know that um, Nigel's been waiting for a heart bypass operation for a long time. He was diagnosed about three years ago now, and with COVID, there have been different delays. But in the middle of last week, he was given a date for the op, which is actually this Tuesday. So he's going into hospital tomorrow, and we'll have the operation on Tuesday, which is great news. And so with all of the different things that we needed to put in place just to make that work really practically... um, We had been thinking about inviting Trevor to come and actually run a Father Heart Day for us, a teaching day in the autumn. And when we planned that, I said we must ask him to come and speak on a Sunday just so those who haven't met him yet get to hear from him and know why it will be really worth signing up for that day. And so we were thinking about some dates for it. And with the news about Nigel's operation, I emailed him on Wednesday night and said, not by any chance you're not free on Sunday, are you, please? It would really help us if you're able to come and speak this Sunday. And Trevor and Linda have so kindly reorganised their schedule. They were at a conference yesterday in Gloucester. They've come home early this morning to speak to us. And Trevor will be speaking um, this Sunday and next Sunday. So it's a bit of a mini-series, so we're in for a treat. So come on up, Trevor. We'd love to pray for you. You know, sometimes when we pray for people, we kind of extend a hand. If you'd like to do that, as I pray, it's just, there's nothing magic in it, but it can be a way of just feeling like you're involved in the process and really engaging your body as you engage your mind in your prayers. So let's pray for him now. So, Father God, we have said that we are hungering for true intimacy, for the things of your heart. And I know that Trevor has a message for us about that, and he will help us connect with you in that way. So please come, Holy Spirit. Please, would you put your fire on his words? Please, would you let our hearts be open and ready? Because we want to hear from you today, Father. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, thank you. Well, I'm the most irregular, regular member of the congregation. This is why most of you have probably never clapped eyes on us before. Um, But we've had a connection with this church over a a number of years. and, And in the last few years, we lived just outside of Winchester and Ropley, um, alongside Edward and Catherine Law, who I'm sure you know. So we, we kind of know what goes on here, because we talk to the neighbours a lot. <laughs> and uh, so it's really, it's great to be here. Um, Linda and I were meant to be in the USA at the moment, and life doesn't always work out in the way we think it's going to, and suddenly it all changed. And I thought, well, what the business am I doing now? I've got two or three months just to sit in Ropley and look at the sunshine. And I think, oh, that's quite nice. And I thought, well, Father, you know what's going on. And suddenly this came out of nowhere. So it's lovely to have this opportunity, but particularly to support these guys um, through this season. And that's a very important thing. Anyway, um, enough about us. I I, want to read 
a passage from the Bible. Somebody commented to me as I walked in this morning, said, oh, you've got a Bible. <laughs> yes, I'm a dinosaur. I, I still use the book, right? Um, I have got it on my phone, but I can never find it in time. But I'm going to read um, something which I just want to use as a bit of a springboard um, for this morning to just to hear what God wants to say to us um, in this time. So this is from um, Ephesians chapter 3, and uh, it's Paul, the apostle, praying one of his amazing prayers. That those of you that have read the letters of Paul in the New Testament will know that from time to time, in mid-flow, he suddenly bursts into um, a prayerful exclamation of praise or wonder at the greatness of God. And in the middle of his letter to the Ephesians, which he wrote out of a quite difficult situation, he was in prison at the time. Nonetheless, in the middle of it, he started to pray for his readers. And he says, I kneel before, before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches... <clears throat> He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. I mean, that is an extraordinary prayer. I mean, sometime, go back to your Bible, wherever you got it on your iPad or whatever, and just read that again. To know this incredible love of God that's revealed to us through Jesus and be filled to the full measure of the fullness of God. I have no idea what that must look like. I mean, what must it be like to be filled in our inner being to the full measure of the fullness of God? Extraordinary. And then he says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that's in work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. And then a big whopping amen at the end of that. I mean, this is an extraordinary prayer for the Ephesians. And when they read it, they said, this is unbelievable. We've got to copy this letter out. We've got to share this with everybody. And the letter got copied. And over the centuries, it got added to the New Testament. And here it is in Winchester Vineyard this morning. It's the prayer for us. Because it's the word of God to us. That we will be filled to the full measure of the fullness of God. You know, if nothing else about Paul, he really knows how to set the bar high, doesn't he? And we may feel, oh my goodness, I can't, I can't even begin to get there. How on earth can I do that? I don't feel full with all the love of God. I feel struggling in my life. Maybe that's where we're at and we read these prayers and we think, well, it's all right for you, Paul. 
I mean, you were a super apostle, right? Planted churches all over the world, wrote half the New Testament. It's fine for you to say that, but me? It's not my experience. I struggle with these things. Well, the incredible thing about the apostle Paul is, if we had him here and said that to him, he would say, yep, I know exactly what you mean. Because he's not on a pedestal, he's not a super apostle out here. He's an ordinary guy who had to work these things through in his day-to-day life in circumstances which in many ways were incredibly difficult. In circumstances sometimes far more difficult than we could ever imagine. One of the other of Paul's letters that he wrote was to the Corinthians. You know, Corinth, like Ephesus, were churches that he'd started He planted them, and and he knew the people well there. And Corinth, he wrote a number of letters to them. We we only get two of them in our New Testament, but he makes mention of two others in his letters. So he probably wrote to them four times. He really knew this church, but it had a huge bust-up with them. See, the great apostle Paul had fallen out with the church in Corinth, and they'd fallen out with him started to say we don't like you talking to us like that because he was pointing out a few things that needed to be sort of put in order and he was heartbroken by the time he writes his second letter to them because he felt so out of sync with what was going on and 2 Corinthians is one of those letters that tells us more about the Apostle Paul's inner workings, his life, than any other. And when he's talking about being filled with the full measure of the fullness of God, the place he is coming from to pray that prayer is from a place of hardship, struggle, and brokenness. Now I'm beginning to connect with him. You know, the great super apostle, well, yeah, wonderful. The writer of the New Testament, wonderful. But Paul the man, the human being, who struggles with all sorts of circumstances, is saying, even in these things, I'm still praying that I'll be filled with his love. Now, how does that work? See, you can read these things, but in my mind, I say, yeah, okay, Paul, but how? How do you get filled with this love? It's immeasurable, high, wide, all the rest of it. But what does it look like? How how do you know, Paul, that you're really loved in the way you're talking about? So that's partly my question to you. How do you know if someone loves you? Anyone like to break the silence of eternity? How do you know if someone loves you? Well, there's lots of things, aren't there? There are clues we look for. One of them is the look. I've noticed one or two couples practicing on each other at that point. You know, the look. It, it, there's something about the eyes, isn't there, that communicates. It, it's sometimes the words themselves. But the way you say the words is important. I mean, you can say to someone, I love you. And you know where that's coming from. If you say, I love you, there is something not quite working in that. See, love is tangible. It's not just some great theoretical thing out there. Oh, yeah, we've all got the love of God in us. Thank you very much. But what does that look like? It's real for us. It's experiential. It's lived out 
in relationship with him. See, love is a practical thing. I, I, some of you know that we've, most of our family live in New Zealand, and when we go over there, we kind of reconnect with them. And I was looking at the paper over there a while ago, and there was this um, report of a couple who had been married for 70 years. And they were being interviewed by TV New Zealand. And the couple were asked, you know, so how have you managed to sustain your love in all these years? Well, they were Kiwis. They weren't very articulate. They kind of looked at the camera as if to say, what sort of question is that? And so the the interviewer said to to the husband, "Do, do you tell her every day that you love her? And he finally said, no, I told her that on the day we got married. And if anything changed, I'd let her know. You see, the words are actually quite important, aren't they? We do need to hear it. We need to experience love. So these great prayers of Paul, which we love to read, they're rooted in reality. He's talking about knowing a deep, personal, experiential love level of what love is really like. Now, when, as I say, I look at Paul and I look at his other letters, and when I look in Paul in 2 Corinthians, for example, he's writing to a church there, and he's writing some tough things to them. And he's wanting to express love to them, but he's struggling to do that because they're making it hard for him. And he's going through it. You know, if you were to ask Paul, so Paul, what does this love that you tell us is so important, what does it really look like to you? You get the answer in 2 Corinthians. Because he talks about his need for being loved himself. So it's all very well to say, oh, you need this. But he actually says, you know what? This is what I need. This is what keeps me going. And when he began his second letter to the Corinthians... As in most of his letters, he begins with this kind of great expression of praise to God. And in 2 Corinthians, he says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's kind of usually his opening stance in his letters. And then he says this. He's the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles. Now, you see, if you ask Paul the questions, what does love look like to you? There's his answer. Love looks like comfort. Love looks like somebody coming alongside you and looking in your eyes, speaking words of life to you, even maybe touching you appropriately with all the love of God. Because that brings comfort to us. See, Paul said... I needed comfort. This father of compassion, this God of all comfort, he comforts us in all our troubles. And when you are comforted, it is with the love of God as father that we receive. Now, Jesus said similar things. He said to his disciples in the upper room, he said, um, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now stay in my love. That's John 15. As the Father's loved me, as the Father has loved me, the Son of God, I've also loved you. He loved the disciples. And a few verses earlier, he said, I'm going to send you another comforter, the Holy Spirit, who will be with you forever. And there's the link there, you see. See, comfort is an expression of love. 
Because when we're hurting, when we're in trouble, when things are hitting us hard, what we need is that comforting love of God to be poured into our hearts. And how he does that is what Paul's talking about. See, Paul's saying, I actually needed that. I needed comfort. I needed some people, someone to come alongside me. I'm so grateful God comes to me. But even that, what does that look like? The love of God being poured into our hearts has got arms and legs and eyes. It's all around us. It's you and me. Because Paul's saying we are comforted by him. So that when his love is poured into our hearts, we're able to comfort others. See, Paul's great expressions about love are incredibly practical and rooted in personal experiences with people. He's the father of compassion, says Paul. God is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles. Paul doesn't say he comforts you in your troubles as if he's the super apostle who has no troubles. He said he comforts you in all your troubles. Now, a little bit later, a few verses further down, he says, now, I don't want you to be unaware or uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. He's writing this, having been in Ephesus, where things had gone incredibly badly and real difficulty was happening. And this is what he says. In the, things really happened there. He says, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. Now, that is the great super apostle Paul speaking. He said, I was way beyond my ability to cope with any more. I was under huge pressure. If we just replace that with the word stress... It's like he's saying, at that point, I was stressed off the scale. I'd had so much stuff going on in my life. He says, like, I got to the point where I said, okay, I cannot cope with another thing. Anyone identify with that? We have those moments, don't we? Sometimes they come far too frequently. Where you say, okay, I cannot cope with any more. And Paul's saying, that was how I felt. I struggled with this. There were times, he said, where I despaired even of life. And that is incredibly honest, isn't it? Here's Paul saying there were moments when the thought of going home was a great relief. Home to father. He says that in another of his letters. There were times when I'd like to have just gone. Now to get to that point gives you some idea of what life was like for him. He'd been in prison, he'd been beaten, all sorts of things were going on. In fact, later on in 2 Corinthians, he gives us a list of his stress scale. Okay? In 2 Corinthians, I never remember which chapter, it is 11, I think. Yeah, chapter 11. He says this. He said, I don't want you to think I haven't gone through it, but this is my life. He said, I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death Again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. What that means is the Jewish authorities in the synagogues, if they decided someone was a heretic, they could give them 39 lashes to encourage them not to be a heretic. 
And he'd had that five times in Jewish synagogues around the world. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned. We read about that in Acts. Left for dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. Anyone ever been shipwrecked? <clears throat> Three times? You know, Paul, stop going by sea. <laughs> this is even before the shipwreck we read about in Acts chapter 28 or 7. The big one where he's shipwrecked on Malta. That was his fourth shipwreck. He says, one time I was in the sea for a night and a day. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city. Okay, Paul, we get it. In danger from false brothers. Ooh, don't let that one slip past. He's saying Christian brothers cause me great hardship. That happens, doesn't it? honest about it sometimes we are so deeply wounded by believers and Paul's saying I get that that was part of the struggles that I dealt with I've labored I've toiled I've gone without sleep and so it goes on and he began the letter saying but he comforted us in all our troubles now I wouldn't wish his list on anybody but When we're going through our list of stuff, Paul's saying, you know what, we can go to him too because he is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us. You see, it shows that as believers, we need comfort. We need to experience the love of God that comes through being comforted. It's not a sign of weakness to need comfort. There's a bit of a trend to be, as Christians, super strong. We can break through, we can get there. And we may not feel we're in that place. And we don't like to admit it. But Paul's saying, you know what? Admit it. In our weakness, he comes to us. In our weakness, in our inability, he has come to comfort us. And he comforts us with all this immeasurable love that he prayed about in Ephesians. This immeasurable love of God is what is poured into our hearts through comfort. And how does that work? Again, it's good to talk about it, but what does it look like? How can I be comforted when I'm going through it? Well, he has placed us in community with brothers and sisters, fellow believers. And the fact is that we are the ones he uses to bring comfort of God to one another. See, when Jesus said to his disciples, in the same way as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. He said, now stay in my love and do the same. He said, staying in my love is about doing what I've commanded you. And the only thing that matters is the command to love one another, to be that love to one another, which means that we, when we look at one another, because we have the love of God in our hearts and the Holy Spirit is in in us, we are looking at one another with his eyes. 
We look out of our eyes and the Father in us, the Spirit in us, Jesus within us, is using our human faculties and abilities to communicate his love to one another. You know, during the whole COVID thing, when we all hid behind our masks, it was the eyes, it was all that was left really in communication, wasn't it? The voices were muffled, we weren't allowed to touch, but the eyes, which are the window of the soul, still communicated the love of God. Just before um, all the lockdown began, we were over in Germany for a week doing a one of these Father Heart weeks that we do. And um, one of the things that we often would do in these weeks is we would try to express very tangibly the love of God. And traditionally we've done that by embracing people and asking the love of God to so fill us that our arms represent him. Well, we weren't allowed to do that. Germany was on the cusp of stopping everything. But we were still allowed to meet. So all that we had left, in a sense, was to look at one another. And so we would look at one another and say, Father, let my eyes be your eyes, and will your love shine through my eyes into this person's eyes? It was astonishing when we did that, because we discovered that sometimes we couldn't really look at each other very well. You know, there's the, you know, can I look at you sort of feeling going on. But the more we open our hearts up to receive, he uses us to pour the love in. And sometimes he uses a physical holding or put it a hug from somebody. My mother-in-law, before she died, she had Alzheimer's disease. And uh, in her latter days, she completely had forgotten who we were. And she'd also forgotten that she was a Christian. Um, She couldn't remember who Jesus was. She didn't know what the Bible was. It, it, It had all gone from her consciousness. And we wonder, well, what, how can we, how can we, deal with this and we said to her once when we were with her I said can we pray for you and she looked at us and had no idea what we were talking about so we sat her down between us and we just put our arms around her and we prayed a very simple prayer we said father let our arms be your arms and will you come and pour your love into this little girl's heart and suddenly her face lit up with the most beautiful smile and she looked at us and said oh Thank you so much. Because we were tangibly representing our Heavenly Father, and that so supersedes our intellectual grasp of it. It's much deeper. See, comfort goes right to the very core of our being, the very heart of who we are. And so Paul's saying, this is who God is. He is the father of compassion, the God of all comfort. Because comfort is an administration of the compassionate heart of God for us. See, Paul's quite deliberate in using that word compassion. Back in the Old Testament, when Moses was being asked by the Lord to, to lead the people into Israel, he said, do I really have to? I can only do it if you go with me. And please, would you just show me your glory, you know? Small prayer, that one. And he says, yeah, okay, but you won't be able to cope with the whole whole show. I'll hide you in the rock and I will pass by and I will declare my name to you. And the Lord God passes Moses by and he says, I am the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate one. It's the very first 
name that he uses to describe himself. And Paul says, that's who he is. He is the father of compassion. It's the same word Jesus uses when he's telling us about God in the the parable in Luke 15 of the prodigal son. You remember the father in the story represents God the father. And the father in the story sees his returning son and Jesus says, and his heart was filled with compassion. See, the comforting love of God comes through compassion. It's a deeper level than pity. You know, we see someone and we think that's terrible, that's pity. But compassion says, I need to help. I need to do something. I need to step up alongside this person. And Paul says, that's what comfort looks like. It's compassion worked out in relationship. Now, the thing that was preoccupying Paul when he wrote this second letter to the Corinthians was the troubles between him and the church. And he'd written to them, and he hadn't got news. He'd sent uh, Timothy to visit them, and he'd come back, and it wasn't a good report. Finally, he sent his dear friend Titus, and Titus went to Corinth and had to wait. You know, those days, it took months to get news. And he waited and waited, and every day, the waiting got harder for Paul. How is it going over there? My heart's breaking for them. I'm full of all these difficulties everywhere I turn, and what's happening over in Corinth? And in 2 Corinthians, you read about how every new place he went to on the journey, he was hoping that he'd bump into Titus. He wanted to hear news of him. And he says, well, we got to a place called Troas, and he wasn't there. Then we got to Macedonia, which is further around. Finally, he said, we encountered Titus. And this is what he says about it. When we came into Macedonia, this body of ours had had no rest. So he's physically exhausted. We were harassed at every turn. You know, this is the tough life of Paul. There were conflicts on the outside. And here's the real honest statement and fears within. See, Paul's saying, I was as a mess inside as it was outside. I am so concerned about everything. But God. (laughs) I mean, you could preach for six weeks a a series on but God, couldn't you? Well, I think Martin Lloyd-Jones did that anyway. um, But God, who comforts the downcast. Here it is again. This is how it works. How did God, who comforts the downcast, how did he comfort Paul in this? He comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you'd given him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. See, comfort to Paul... The comforting love of God the Father was ministered to Paul through Titus. Through somebody who himself had been comforted. See, Titus had received comfort from the Corinthians. So he's filled with this comfort of the Father in him. And he meets Paul and he has comfort to give to Paul. See, the thing is... If we've not been comforted, we've got no comfort to give others. If you want to give someone 50 pounds but your bank account's anything empty, you've got nothing to give them. Paul's saying comfort 
begins with our hearts. So back at the beginning, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we might comfort others with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. See, this comforting love that God wants to pour into our hearts through his people, supernaturally through his presence, in all sorts of ways, is in order for us to then give it away. To let it flow out from us into one another. To be able to look at each other in the eyes. And maybe not say a word, but just know our eyes are communicating the love of the Father. Maybe it's the hand reaching out over a cup of coffee, just holding the hand. You know, there's a family in this church that are going to need that over the next few weeks. Looking at these two. Because they're going through it. All of them. And Father's brought us together as their wider family, to be the ones who can comfort them. Not just these two, but all of us have different issues like Paul had going on in our lives. And the solution to receiving this glorious love is to allow ourselves to be comforted. See, love looks like something, it feels like something, it sounds like something that's real and tangible. And comfort is one of the major ways that the love of God is experienced by his people. Even Jesus, the son of God himself, needed to be comforted. In the garden of Gethsemane, when he's crying out to his father before he goes to the cross, one of the gospel writers tells us that an angel came and comforted him. It's not a shameful thing to admit that you need comfort. It's not a sign of failure to say, I really am not coping well with this. It's not a sign of weakness that says, I desperately need comfort. It's a sign rather the opposite. Now, Paul's going to talk about that more in this letter, and maybe I'll go there next week. But our weakness is a sign that we need comfort. So I don't know where your circumstances are in your lives at the moment. All of us have got stuff going on. Everyone has different issues. And we don't have to be strong and overcoming all the time. If occasionally we are, that's a bonus. <laughs> the reality is that we go through things and we have a father who is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort, whose longing is to pour his comforting love deep into our hearts so that we might experience that, that we might have this prayer that we began with in Ephesians 3 worked out in our lives. Let me read that prayer again. I kneel before the Father from whom the whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that you... Out of his glorious riches, may be strength, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ might dwell in, may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray you're being rooted and established in love. And you may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is this amazing love. This love of Christ. And to know this love, know it 
deep, not as an intellectual fact, but as an experience in your hearts. To know this love, which surpasses all our human understanding, that you might be filled with the full measure of the fullness of God. What Paul said back in Corinthians when Titus showed up, he said, when Titus came and comforted me, my joy overflowed. See, when we comfort one another, when the comforting love of God is poured into our hearts, we begin to touch what the full measure of the fullness of God looks like. So it's not just theoretical, it's practical, it's real, and it's for us. Now, wherever you're at on your walk with God, there are going to be moments, if you're not writing one now, where you desperately need the comforting love of the Father. And thank God he's placed you in a community where that is exhibited and expressed. There are times I've noticed here on Sunday mornings when people are invited to receive prayer. You know, sometimes many more of us should be down the front at the end than there really are. Because we think, oh, not me again. You know, I've got all this going on. Yet, join Paul. If he were here, he'd be at the front. Not ministering and praying, receiving. So this is a community that wants to live out this love. You have a ministry team that are being comforted. So at the end of this morning, I know we're going to pray for Paul and for Joe. Paul? Nigel? Brain connection with the Apostle Paul there, sorry. We're going to be praying for them. And praying that all the God of all comfort will pour his comfort into their hearts. Particularly if you're experiencing comfort from him, pray for them. But if you're saying, oh, I can't do that, maybe you need to be here for someone else to pray for you this morning. Because this is what family does. See, Paul said, we all derive our name as families from God the Father. And it's a place where comfort and love are in operation. So maybe before we do anything else, you just want to open your heart for a moment. If you'd like to, you can put your hand on where you think your heart is. Um, I don't see any hands on your heads. No, okay. Just maybe lay hands on your own heart for a moment. And I want to pray, Father, right now, for every single one of us, whatever's going on in our lives, would you pour your comforting love into our hearts? This morning. Right now, Father, thank you that this is not a theoretical fact, but it's a real experience of being loved by you. Even if we're feeling that it's just too much. It's too big a deal. Father, come to us in those moments where the struggle is so intense. And Father, as we look at one another and as we chat at the end, Father, just fill our hearts with love for one another so that we hear what you're saying. As we look at one another, with all the love of the universe in our hearts may your love pour out from us 
into one another your love because we're receiving it from you first. Thank you, Father, we're not asking for something that's out of line with your word. It's what you want for your sons and daughters. Thank you, Father. Amen.